0: Nick was right we, we've we always called a car show about people mm-hmm. and a lot of our guests are not in the automotive industry they're not even like notable they're not notable in the industry they're notable for other things we've met them through cars
1: we, we have fun we like to drive fast but it's about you know stopping and, and seeing that you know we always end our podcast with don't just get there enjoy the drive and that's mm-hmm. the most important
2: thing ever That was Dan Putnam and Nick Bergeron, who began hosting an automotive podcast in 2017 from the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Today, their show, the Avance Podcast, is one of the best in the genre and fits perfectly within the Avance brand, known as the ultimate community for enthusiasts. This is Fuel for the Future, presented by State Farm Insurance and driven by America's Automotive Trust. I'm Michael May. You guys have done like You just even said it a second ago, Nick. You've done like 300-something episodes, automotive-themed. You've had drivers. You've had mechanics. You've had artists. You've had friends. You've had all sorts of people involved with the car community on your show. And yeah, I just really appreciate you being here because I'm I'm a big fan of it. Well, thanks, man. Thanks
1: for having us on. I mean, this is different for us because, like I said, we're usually in your position uh, talking to people. So,
2: you know, (laughs) it's, it's fun. Yeah. Your podcast started originally as like Rain City... What was Rain, City what was Rain City Supercars, RCS, RCS. Rain
1: City Supercars. Back in November of 2017, correct. Uh, yeah. We were we were running, helping run an event up here called Exotics at Redmond Town Center, mm-hmm. and um, we would always leave after that and go out to a, a place called the Hollywood Tavern, and everybody would sort of kind of come out and as people were saying, we were holding court, Dan and I would just sort of float from table to table because, you know, we, we like to make sure everybody's happy, even though we didn't invite people there, I don't think.
0: Yeah, no, we just said we were going there and people would just show up.
1: Yeah. And and I don't even know where it actually came from. Somebody goes, you guys need Sean. to do a po-. Sean said we need to do a
0: podcast. Gatekeeper Sean for Exotics at Redmond Town Center. Yeah. We were, we were volunteering with them for a while. He's like, you guys should record this. Yeah. And so we, I kind of brushed it off at first. I didn't think, oh, time to do a podcast. It was like, that would be kind of fun. And so it just kind of grew from that. And then how many, how many, 302
1: episodes? Yeah. 302. yeah it's been, it's been great. Like I said, Avance was a partnership of ours from the beginning. And so mm-hmm. when they wanted to start a podcast, it was a, a very easy transition to go from rain city uh, into becoming uh, the Avance podcast.
2: Right. And I want to talk a little bit about Avance because I, I think I first became aware of Avance through the magazine I think that was my first foray is kind of seeing that and and looking at it and being like, oh, this is cool. So how did the podcast come about with them? Did they just see, and they obviously knew you because you had a partnership, but they just come in and say, hey guys, we want a podcast. Let's make a podcast together. I mean, we've known Adam since. Be- I mean, Avance started about the same time Rain City started.
0: Yeah, we knew Adam before yeah. Avance. Really, um, we mm-hmm. were. I'm member number what I four? I think. And you're and six? somehow I'm six. I don't yeah. know how we we came in yeah. together and got. And we, well, we know we know
1: five, and David David Dave's a good dude. But uh, yeah, somehow uh, we got between I don't know how that us. happened. What a jerk. But um, when we had been a part of it, and like I said, Avance was a sponsor of Rain City from pretty much the
0: beginning. Yeah, and even when we first started. Well, not, yeah, since we started taking on sponsors, because yeah. we we started it kind of just to feel it out and have fun, talk to our friends, yeah. have a good time, see if people listened. And it wasn't even supposed to be uh, a usual thing. We we're like, we'll do this when we have the time and see who listens. And then we kept talking about Avance naturally on the show because we were just involved in it. And we liked Adam. We genuinely like Adam. And so we wanted to support what he was doing because we thought it was cool that he was bringing people together and kind of building a, a better car club. Because if you've looked, you know, a lot of car clubs go pretty bad pretty fast. And he was pretty good about really setting Avance apart and continues to do so. And so it was, yeah, it was a really naturally formed partnership. But as they started expanding into the magazine in different states and they were, they saw us as just kind of a a lot, of, we had a lot of listeners. We still have a lot of listeners, surprisingly, and uh, <laughs> don't know why, but uh, they keep listening. And so he was like, hey, do you want to, as it was all sort of a transition as uh COVID hit a lot. Then our numbers went up actually and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. driver's club closed down where we were in as driver's club. Um, as far as us recording in their space, cause that they, they were a big partnership of ours, uh, from the beginning as well. And then, he was just like, "Hey, do you want to come do this as a Vance podcast, and we'll take all your episodes?" And we were like, "Well, that's a pretty natural fit, so why not?" Because we really liked it. I mean, uh,
1: Dan coined the phrase when we when we started Rain City that it was a car show about people. Yeah, and Adam was one of those people that was very big in the car community, and like he said, and and to this day, the online community of Avance is what really drew us to Avance, and the fact that yeah. like. There's no, you know, you get a lot of those chat rooms and people are like, you ask a question and then you get berated. And in Avance it doesn't happen. And he, he built that. And, you know, uh, Adam did a great job. And, and Chrissy, here, who's the main, one of the main people here, did a, an excellent job of creating the community. And it, and it has expanded to, you know, what, uh, Oregon, uh, California, mm-hmm. um, Colorado. Colorado. And I think I think we're going on past there. I don't know. What, yeah. all, everything's Arizona, been announced. Yeah, Arizona's been announced. So, yeah. And
0: then multiple areas in California. So, it, yeah. It, it was,
1: yeah. It, it, Adam was a friend. And, you know, he came yeah. to us and said, we want to do this. It's a logical step of what Avance needs to do. And we went, okay, well, we could
2: go do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. No, it, it's a good fit. And let's back up a little bit. Can you explain what Avance is? <laughs> um.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> that's funny. We can go through the history lesson. So yeah. <laughs> Avance started as this car sharing club. Like, you came in, it was drive. The drive everything was drive everybody's cars. And you would swap back and forth. That idea mm. tapered off quickly. And it became... Oh boy, it grew into its own monster.
1: It is a, it, everybody says, well, it's a car club. No, it's a car community. Community, it's, yes. It's, yes. It's, it's everything from, you know, drives to to social events, to uh, online forums, to people getting together and having a place for knowledge. Um, it is, it's, and I think that's the thing is it, car it's car shows, car events. shows, events. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I mean, they're heading to Monterey, you know, down there this next week. Mm-hmm. Um, they're bringing people together. They really That's are, right. and, it, and, it's, and it's not in a negative way, and they don't – it's funny because you sit there and you say, well, these places shouldn't tolerate some of this action. Avance never – it wasn't about tolerating. It just didn't happen. It was if you wanted to be an Avance member, you came in, you knew the rules. There was no disrespect. And doesn't I mean there hasn't been anything, but it, it just doesn't – the members don't take it. People are kind, um, and no, it's a knowledge sharing.
0: Yeah, yes. it's a – it's not a place where you go in and you post a bunch of memes. It's a community where you come in and you ask genuine questions. And they've been really good. The community at large has been, I don't even know if it's really been said out loud. It's just that you don't make fun of somebody for make, for asking a genuine question. You don't make fun of somebody for not driving the car you have. And it's really interesting because there's people in Avance with seven figure cars, eight figure cars actually I know of in fact, uh, if you wanna go to that route. And they're conversing with the same people who have you know, four figure cars. And that's Mm -hmm. a great thing because they're not discouraging them for it because a lot of people in Avance started there. And it's, you know, I can be happy for the guy who just bought a new GT3 RS and I can be happy for the kid who just bought his first car too. And it's a used Volkswagen from the 90s that he's learning to work on. I think that's awesome. And everybody else does too. Like you'll get the same person who's driving that GT3 RS. It's going to give hand-in-hand help to the kid who's working on his car. And that's really what it's about.
1: And if they pull up to the same event, Avance members will be just excited to see the beatdown Volkswagen as the new GT3. Because they know it's, the story. Yeah, he yeah. just got yeah, He just started
2: working on it. And they're like, hey, man, you know, it's and I then love seeing yeah. that. Yeah. 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 And this is what I was excited about talking to you about, because community is, is really important in my mind. And I grew up around the car world. I have parents and an older brother who are car collectors. And my brother raced for a while. I was never the car guy. I liked the people and the stories and the events. And that's what really drew me into the world of, of cars and automotives and enthusiasts. And so I always appreciated either companies or clubs or events that celebrate that. And they don't just say, oh, there's Ford guys are over there and the Ferrari guys are over there and the whatever. Like it, it's all one big or it can be one all big supportive community where people get excited because you've gotten to interview so many people on your show. What have you learned or what do you think is important about that community or building that community? I mean, and knowledge is, the, is one of the most important things and I think that's the sharing of knowledge. Um, uh,
1: Dan and I have have done a ton of work and still do with Concorso Italiano during Monterey Car Week. and. If that's one thing I learned from that event is if people go, oh, well, it's just a bunch of guys sitting around in Ferraris. And I'm like, no, they're sitting next know. to each other going, OK, where did you find the bulb? Mine burned out. It's about knowledge. It's about kindness and knowledge and getting to know the other guy's car. And I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've listened to a conversation between two people, maybe Ford guys or Ferrari guys. And then somewhere down the line, that knowledge is going to be useful. I be I happen to be in a conversation and I, a Ford guy will go, I don't know where to find this bumper. And I go, you know what? I had a conversation once and I learned that if you go to Bob's bumpers outside of, you know, Temecula. uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) exactly that. Um, I don't know if that's a real place, but it it should be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's somewhere. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Chances are somebody knows it. It's funny. There's, there's guys who collect weird things in there. And I love that. Like there's one guy in our group who has four S two thousands now, which makes me laugh Mm -hmm. every time I read about it. And you know, he's also got Ferraris and other stuff too and his favorite little collectors of those are his S2000s he's got his track one and his d- daily one and this type of track one it makes me laugh but it's that um, yeah it's Nick hit it right on the head I don't have a better answer than that it's really yeah. knowledge sharing and yeah. it's um and that builds the community as everybody's helping each other out it's an, one of the things Avance is not is showy when somebody comes in and drops a new picture of a car um, like I said before people are excited for it but even if it's um. Even if it's an exotic, you're not going to get hate, and if you're not, if it's a cheap car, you're not going to get hate. And it's oftentimes that that acceptance. I think the knowledge and the acceptance. It's the it's building, not just building the community, but making people want to be in the car community. It's yeah. re- revitalizing that spirit that people used to have around cars. It's not just gathering mm-hmm. in a parking lot. Um, it's breaking down all the stereotypes and the yeah. fact
1: of like. I, if I'm at a car event, I can walk across the parking lot to all the Ferraris that are parked together and start asking questions because people aren't going to, you know. Yeah. And there mm-hmm. are, unfortunately, that happens in the community. It happens with the classic yeah. cars, everything. And it's, and this is sort of that it's breaking it down. And I think that's important. It's like, I always compared it to somebody asked me once I compared it to like being in gym and like junior high, like, well, the boys are on one side and the girls are on the other side. Avance, you're not afraid to go ask the girl to dance kind of thing. <laughs> So
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of women in the Avance community, yeah. a lot of women in the Avance community, and they don't, this is going to sound kind of funny, but if you've grown up in the car forum world or the online community, there's like the girl in the group and yeah. she makes one post and every guy comes out of the woodwork to have either, you have the chauvinist guy, you have the leg humping guy, you have the, you have the overly attentive guy, like you have all that. And people are just like, no, they just answer the question. And I respect that it like it, it somehow has weeded out all that disrespect in any, in all the various forms it takes. And so it doesn't matter kind of what your background is or where you started at. Mm-hmm. It's really that, uh, that acceptance of as long as you're here to learn. And as long as you're being respectful of others, you're going to do just fine and have a good standing in the group. Mm-hmm. it's that don't come in here with your preconceived notions don't come here with an attitude
2: don't come in here with anything to prove and you'll be fine so let yeah. me let me take it back to you guys individually here and okay. how did how did you guys get to know each other and what are your backgrounds in the automotive world? if you I was can a birthday share. present. Dan was a birthday <laughs>
1: present. Um, I am notorious for throwing myself a birthday party every year. It's not ragers, but it's what I do. It's my excuse to get all of my friends together. He had this big cake
0: and yeah. they just like, I <laughs> yeah, you came jump out, out, out of it. Yeah, yeah, no, Dan, yeah. no. <laughs> um,
1: Truthfully, I, I got some people together. Uh, Sean, the gatekeeper that helped us start Rain City. uh Told Dan that we were all going out to have beers, and Dan didn't realize it was my birthday party. And Dan showed up, and it's sort of that you know kindred spirit of like you meet somebody and you go, "Yeah, we're going to be best friends now," like you know, it's, it's stepbrothers kind of thing. Um, and <laughs> it was absolutely amazing and fun. And like I said, the knowledge, like Dan had a, 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 a as being a car person, like I knew how to use tools but i didn't necessarily know tools and dan Mm. knows tools and that was this is a very minor part of our friendship (laughs) but dan will sit there and go well yeah but do you know why that's called a crescent wrench and it and that crescent wrench becomes so much more special because now i know the background to it and what i'm supposed to be using it for and i'm actually not supposed to be using it as a hammer and things like (laughs) things like that but everything is a hammer if you're brave enough it's funny because (laughs) you were talking about your childhood and I'm and I'm holding back all of my podcasting things because I'm so used to looking at people going well what was your favorite hot wheel and what did you and and asking Mm. you questions but I was the hot wheel kid I still am I was the lego kid I mean if it I love cars I love taking things apart I love working on things that's the way my ADHD brain works and Dan's brain is very similar to that and so it was sort of an ODA situation where I met Dan and I think we went on a drive the next day and there was some drama around that where a Maserati broke down and I had to to drive GTR. GTR. And it was just, it just sort of made sense. And he came in and was working with exotics and, and this, you know, works, this worked out so well. And I've, I've said this a hundred times on the podcast. I was not a big podcast fan. It was just, I felt like there were people getting on there pontificating about themselves. And I was like, that's not really me. Like, I mean, I enjoy being there, but I have had so much fun, and amazed by the amount of people that will sit down and talk to us just because we're car people. And it, like I said, and that's the thing. I don't know. If, I think the original question had nothing to do with what I just answered. But uh. no, I love it. I love it. So,
2: yeah. I love it. No, yeah. it, it did. It did sort of answer it, Dan. So. so now I know how you guys met. You jumped out of a cake. Yeah, that's true. But what a is nice what cake. is your yeah. what is your background with automotives before you met? the guy over there sitting next oh,
0: to you <laughs> trying not to, how do I make this into a consumable answer? Um, so as a little kid, I've always been into cars. I, I mean, since I can remember, I have no memory in my life that didn't involve me being attracted to cars in some way, shape or form. Um, it really stemmed from my brother. My dad is a car person too. But my brother was really like my, my hero growing up and he always had car posters and he always had cool cars and motorcycles. And so being that little brother, um, I, I was the typical little brother. I looked up to my brother my whole life. I still do. And everything he got into, I wanted to get into as well. And so um, I had that influence growing up my whole life. Um, and watching my dad, my dad is a guy who can fix anything. And Nick has seen it in action where he's just like, I'm like, I don't know how to do this. We'll so come back a half hour later and there's a new building put up. Like That's my dad. <laughs> he just um, looks at it and goes,
1: oh, yeah, you need a 17 degree angle on that. And then just pulls it. Doesn't measure anything, just chops it. And it fits perfectly. And I'm
0: like. How do you do that? Right, he's one of those yeah. guys, and so yes. I had those influences in my life, and I, I always wanted to know how things work. Um, but I also grew up in a really small town. I grew up in Arlington, Washington, back before it had stoplights. I tell people it's, you go to Arlington now, you're like airport Costco. It's a bigger town now. It's, no. When I grew up there, there was you know it was a 25 minute drive to McDonald's with if you can you had to go through four stop signs because that's all there was in down a gravel road. Um, and so I had this overwhelming want to explore. And so every chance I could, including being a bad student and skipping school, I would go explore backroads everywhere I went. And I had a I had a Volkswagen Scirocco and a Ooh. Porsche nine forty four after that, non turbo. Nice. Which, well, yeah, at the time it was a piece of junk, and they were you know a I dime do. a dozen. Do, I love it. I love it.
1: Dan's driven the wheels off of a lot of cars. A lot of cars. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: yeah, I put I usually put more miles on a car in a year than most people do in a lifetime, and. I combining the two, I started to get into this habit of what is the most fun way to get from point A to point B and it usually turns into point A to point Z. And then I mean I started I worked in the automotive industry in body shops. I was an estimator. I worked at O'Reilly's, which was it was AL's and Shucks, and O'Reilly's, and then I worked in
1: That tells you how old I I worked in a motorcycle
0: <laughs> shop. I mean, I did everything I could to stay in the industry until I realized it was never going to make any money if I stayed in the industry. So I got into tech, but um but, yeah, I mean, the long story long is that it's always just been part of my life. I, an overwhelming urge to know how things work and an overwhelming urge to explore and then trying to combine the most fun way to go go someplace. A lot of people are track guys, a lot of people are hot rod guys and and I respect all that. I've done some track time and things like that.
2: But my love
0: is for the open road.
2: It, it's really interesting because I love that you've you've tried to stay in the industry, and I feel like you've kind of hit upon something as a podcaster. Where you get to kind of have the best of all the worlds of all those things because you can still do this other stuff on the side, but you get to hang out with other car people. You get to learn about all sorts of different aspects of the automotive industry and, and collectors and enthusiasts and, and, you know, the big word community for the day. So I feel like you guys have landed into a really, a really perfect spot. We've become extremely lucky. I mean, yep. we were actually talking about this. I don't. This
1: is no insulting, but I don't know a lot of podcasts that can come up with 150 episodes, let alone 300, um, and a lot of of our success, especially in the beginning and even now, is just Dan and I sitting down, going, "How was your week? What broke? How do we fix it? What did we build?" Yeah. Um, you what, know, what cool tool did what you find? We, I mean, yep. it has led to us starting automotive rallies. We did, we do, uh, we used to do it. Well, we, we're going to do it again someday. We did a, a rally from Seattle to Monterey and came up with the unique name of CMONT. That was that took us minutes. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the old Seamount rally, uh, which ended up just being a rally. That we put together for our friends to go to Monterey because we wanted to yeah. go to Car Week and we we're working yeah. down there. Um and, and not take I5. And not take I-5. Oh, yeah, I five. Or highway I mean, one for that matter. We you know, we yeah. we always find new routes. It's just about spending time in the automobile, being there, being present in the moment. Um, it's not about, you know, yeah, we we have fun, we like to drive fast, but it's about, you know, stopping and and seeing that, you know, um, we always end our podcast with don't just get there, enjoy the drive. And that's the most important thing ever. Um, and I think our two main phrases were made up by Dan, by his driving and his rallying and things like that. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, it is the perfect spot. Um, it really is because Nick was right. We, we've always called a car show about people Mm -hmm. and a lot of our guests are not in the automotive industry. They're not even like notable. They're not notable in the industry. They're notable for other things. We've met them through cars. So like, um, people that really stick out to me are like Madeline Puckett, um, who Wine Folly, she's like the most notable writer on wine period. And she is an awesome car person and a ton of fun and a great personality and not at all what you expect when you meet her. She's fantastic in every way. Um, I mean, there's tons of people like that Of these stories where you're like, how did you end up with a, somebody who writes about wine on your podcast about cars? And we're like, it's not about cars. It's a car show about people. It's all the That's cool right. people we meet through this. And it's a constant motivator for me because there's people, everybody has a story. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how boring they think they are or how much they don't like the yeah. sound of their own voice. I think Nick and I, not to toot our own horn too much, but I think we have a gift for pulling that story out of people. Mm-hmm. Cause we like to get people who are just comfortable in talking with us. That's why we don't, they're like, what should I prepare for? What notes should I have? I'm like, no, nothing. I was like, you should come have a drink, like bring a yeah. beer if you want. Yeah. Um, and that
1: also allows us I always tell people it's like, well. We don't know what we're going to talk about. And if we don't get through it all, then we'll do another episode another time. Absolutely. Yeah. There has been a side of this that um, (laughs) is amazing in the fact of I have been, I have had the opportunity to sit down with people and sit in front of people and interview people that I have watched on TV for years. Yeah. Um you know, I'm I'm getting ready to head down to California and do uh, some stuff with. You know, going to get be able to interview Wayne Carini and Wade Kawasaki and Steve Celine and Molly Celine. Molly, we've had on the show actually a couple yeah. weeks. Ago, but and it's Dominic like Dom. Dominic Dobson. I had a chance to meet oh, and talk Dom. with Chip Foose. Yeah. Oh yeah, Dominic's really. Oh, yeah. Good. In fact, I'm flying yeah. down with Dominic. Yeah, he's a yeah. Good friend of ours. <laughs> yeah, it's no, a good friend. Say
2: hi for me. You're, you're, Absolutely I Absolutely will.
1: will. Yeah. That's amazes to me because it, it's when we we'll, we'll get somebody on the show and they're like, oh, I wanted to be on the show, and I'm like, you you did, cool, like. We don't see. We see ourselves as two guys that love to talk cars, and we'll talk cars with anybody, and that's the connection. People go, "Well, how did you get that person?" I would just asked, like, "You want to tell them to talk cars? Like, yeah. it's fun." Yeah, you know. Um, I think so many people get on there, and there are certain podcasts out there, in, in life, and it's like they follow a format, and that works. It it yep. works. It's it's their bread and butter. Dan and I, I mean, people go, "Well, you don't prepare." It's not about preparing. It's like I just want to talk to you. If we we talk about. You know, if you're really famous and all we do is talk about your dad's Buick, great. I learned something. And so does somebody else. So, yeah. and we wanted to create that connection where you're at a car show and you come up and you go, oh my God, I know you're famous, but let's talk about the Buick. Like one of my best conversations I've ever had is my grandfather has a, had, a, had a 1959 Triumph TR3 well, Jay Leno's brother had one and he restored it. And instead of coming up to Jay and talking about normal stuff, I was able to come up and go look. We have the same car and it was a great conversation. He was busy, but he took the time. We made a connection. It was amazing to that's me nice and it's,
2: it, you know. Yeah. Blows me yeah, away. Yeah. It, it means a lot and that's one of the things I love about the car world uh as well is that I feel like there's there's that mutual interest that you can share with people right away. And there's always something people relate to cars. We've grown up the past handful of generations now with automobiles and they mean something to us and they can mean something different to different generations, but they still mean something to us and they still s- symbolize sort of freedom and individuality and all that kind of stuff. But I worked on a documentary years ago. And when I would interview guests on the documentary, the first question I would always ask them is, "What's your first? what was your first car? Because it, it loosened everybody up. And it got people excited and it was just a way to kind of launch into it. And sure enough, we would use most of that, most of those interviews because there was such great content in it and they they weren't all car people. And sometimes it was just a Buick or a Volvo or something like that. And it wasn't these, you know, what you would assume is exciting cars for media and for content and things like that. Uh, So I love that you guys just chat. It's one of my favorite things about your show.
1: I mean, the first car is such a great memory for anybody, like you said, even if they're not a car person. Yeah, they go, I don't like cars, but my first car was a Honda Civic. And it would break down and I had to learn to fix it because I didn't want to. I don't like cars because of it. Okay, well it created a story. And then that's you know And most people even if
2: they say they didn't like it, you find some people are like, I hated my car, but I had it for 13 years. And I, mm-hmm. at the end of it, I didn't want to get rid of it. Cause there were so many memories And I drove across the country and I moved to California, whatever it may be. There's, there's those kind of stories too, around those cars. And I, I love, love the that.
1: ones that sit there and they go, yeah, I got my first car and I wanted to meet the girl and I met the girl and we've been married now and we still have the car. And you know, isn't weighed Kawasaki? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Much,
2: yeah. So l- let me ask you guys a couple of car questions though. So what are your favorite types of cars? Oh, oh God. God! Oh, did oh, <laughs> Depends, I did I, 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 st- I no, opened Pandora's box? Child.
1: Yeah, pick your favorite. Ch- I mean, it's 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 a it's a day. It's it's an event. It's yeah. where I'm going. It's nice. you know, Good do I want to get beat on or do I want to have something fun? I mean, I think that if if someone was to walk up to Dan and I and say, "Do you want to sit and then in, in a McLaren F1?" I think that would probably be the best day of our lives.
0: Yeah, that's definitely my favorite. That car. would be favorite. Car, no question. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the I always tell probably the next one um it's funny though i i like a car that i that makes me restrain myself a little bit um (laughs) i I, seriously like i've had i've had a lot of really fast cars and i like a car that says no 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 you got to hold back a little bit like my turbo s i had a 911 turbo s a a 991.1 and i had a gtr and both of those cars were point and shoot um, the gtr not as much as the turbo s by the way all you uh, all you haters out there the, uh, the turbo <laughs> s drives itself much more than the gtr did and um but it was you know you get out of a corner you get a little wrong you just punch the gas and it'll sort it out between the traction control and the computers it's going to get you there no problem um even in the wet even in the snow and i drove them both year round uh that said i've had two c6 i've had two z06s a c6 and a c7 um c7 was a uh, z07 full track pack everything that's probably the most exciting car i've had um, and people are usually surprised by that when i tell them but that mm-hmm. was the car that if i downshifted into second on the freeway and punched it it was going to get sideways at 70 miles an hour and it was i'd love the rev matching in it it was a car that was exciting to drive it was not refined it had right. its problems it was a better than most Chevrolets of the time, but still a Chevy. And therefore the fit and finish wasn't perfect. And it, you know, the door weren't perfect. Like the Turbo S, everything was so perfect on that car. So refined. Everything is just, you know, the nice leather, the perfectly laid out dash. Nah, the Corvette still feels like it's a little bit out of a parts bin. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do this thing? I don't know. Let's just put more horsepower in it, call it a day. And that's kind of the, the old school way of doing a car. But there was never a time that that car was boring to drive. Like I could go to, you know, the corner store to get milk and I quickly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it was going to be like, well, you respect it. And I liked the fact that, you know, you come out of a corner hot and the car, you know, you had to learn to drive sideways a little bit because the, the quick way, it was a different way to drive a car. And so I like a car that scares me a little, a car that makes me restrain myself and kind of keeps my head really focused. I like a car that makes me focus to drive it. Um, The same can be said for, I like exceptionally functional vehicles. So like for me, um, right now I'm driving a Raptor Um, Mm full-time. I'm going to get another sports car soon, but I'm driving my Raptor and I use the heck out of that thing. And I keep it really clean. I've got really good paint protection on it, but it's got dents on the skid plate. It's got sliders. It's got a winch and all of it gets used. And Said I take really good care of my cars, but I use them. That thing's mm-hmm. been jumped. My GTR has been launched. My Turbo S has been launched. My <laughs> Z- Z06 has done burnout after burnout after burnout after burnout. Um, yet not even just by me in some no. cases, yeah. but uh, I, I like to use the crap out of my cars. And so something that's functional, something that scares me a little, and something uh, somewhat sacrilege, but as I've gotten older, something I don't have to modify to give me the results I want. The modifications should not be like I don't want to tear this thing down to the studs, yeah. Get into the engine and redo it. Like, how can I keep this thing under warranty and still make it uh, as fast as possible? What What gives me the whole package with me doing the least amount of work because I don't have the time anymore? Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, I'm going to say something that Dan and I have talked about a lot, and he'll realize this when I say it. It's the look back factor.
0: Oh yeah, it's
1: when I get out of a car. It doesn't matter if it's my 2022 Subaru Wilderness. And I get, and I'm walking and I'm modified. locking the car. Yeah, it's modified. I, I'm Dan will tell you, I love to modify my cars and make them me. Yeah. And, but it's a look back factor. It's, I can, I mean, I'm, the Subaru's not fast, but I, I I know I did my research. I love that car. And every time I park it, no matter where it is, I'm looking back at it because it's, it's, I created that car yep. and, it, and it, and it, and it brings the spirit. I mean, I do the same thing all with all of my cars, like the triumph and everything, the, the Subaru, the Maserati. I mean, I'm, we have, we've talked about it, Dan and I, we bought honda monkeys and i have highly modified my monkey like that's my thing it's look back i mean i i enjoy driving every single thing i get into i will find a way like if you put me in a beat down corolla i will get in that car i will not be going fast but i will be shifting and i will be having fun and i will make a memory in that car and when i get out of it i will look back at it and that memory will will stick with me
0: that's one thing we have in common i don't care if anybody else likes it as long as we like it Yep, i like to look back at my own cars and
1: yeah. I also like to hear why.
2: Yeah. Cause I, cause it's mine.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. I drove a Subaru Crosstrek for about three years and me too. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I love, I love Subarus and I yeah. worked on a, an automotive TV show and I, I, I would get the weirdest looks from people that would be like, oh, you're doing a TV show on cars. So what kind of car do you drive? It's like, mm, I got my cross track right out there. Yep. And I'd be very proud of it. And people would be like, what, really? And it's like, dude, it's It's so much fun to drive. I actually like off-roading, which I got to take it off-roading quite a mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Not very often, but I do. And uh, yeah, I, I loved it. And it's like, I don't care i'm at that age now. i don't care what anybody thinks exactly. anymore i just if i like it that's what i want and i'm also very practical i like a very practical car i want to be able to take my son to school and come home with you know it's like that's kind of like well, you part. being
1: a responsible adult that's right that. that's I, 18, mean, no <laughs> I, I want to take this moment too. I'm part of rain city and then with avance uh, one of our main sponsors that came on was carter subaru yeah and wade carter and he's he's a, a wonderful friend of ours and i was a fan of subaru before and that's a big that's not but that's not the reason I drive Subaru. I drive Subaru because I love the brand. I had a Crosstrek. I mean, I, I modified the crap out of it. Everybody used to laugh because <laughs> I fully modified it and they're like, it's leased. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can take everything off and take it back to the dealership and somebody else wanted it, you know, but uh, it's, it's about driving something that makes me happy. That's so, right. You know, that's right. And I mean, I really can be happy driving. I love to drive. And that's the, and I think that's the other thing, Dan, I, like, I mean, I thought I loved to drive, and then I met Dan, who has literally camped out of the back of a Corvette, like on the ground, and a and a, and a
0: GTR. So in the middle of Arizona. So,
2: yeah. <laughs> wait, how do you camp out of a back of a? Oh, I, I would take
0: Just- take a small tent with me. Yeah. Literally, like I have a picture oh, okay. of me camping, like not in the car, but like yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, would, I took like the, car the car camping all the time. Like, I but I did, you're yeah. driving through a camping,
1: st- and you see you know Ford trucks, and then all of a sudden yeah. you, f- you run into a GTR. You're like that. I want to be friends with that
0: guy. Absolutely, <laughs> I met some great people at that campground. Yeah. <laughs>
2: As car guys, as car guys that have knowledge and also get to talk to a lot of people with knowledge, yeah, no pressure, no pressure, guys. Is awesome. what do you, can you can you talk about maybe how you see the future of the next you know five or ten years of the hmm. automotive industry? Is that a topic that you guys chit chat about frequently at length? Yeah, and it's I mean that's
1: a tough thing because you sit there and you're going. It's not up to the car guys anymore, and I think yeah. that's kind of a problem. There's a lot of people out there that are making, you know, rules and governors and things like that. that and I'm not being political. I'm just saying this depends on where you live. We're, oh, we're, I will. We're in California. <laughs> you're, you're in California. We're in Washington. They're very much pushing this green energy and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. we can't. We, we it, they've already proved they can't support it. Like I like hybrids. I think they're great. But I'm never and and I'm going to say I'm going to use a, a brand. I'm not putting. But I love Rivians but I look at it and I go, if I own that car, which I, by the way, I would love to own one. Yeah. I don't know how much off-roading I would do because I would be constantly worried. Like I'm either going to, cause the way I drive things, I'm going to break something. I'm going to, you know, I don't know if electricity belongs off road. I, I love the idea of taking electricity and putting it into formula E. I think that's so mm-hmm. cool. I love the technology, but I don't know if the people that are making these rules that are going to affect us, you know, are, are really looking at it. I understand they want to save the environment. And I think that's important because if we don't, there's not going to be a place to drive cars right exactly and and fossil fuels and things like that but uh, the technology is there but this idea of like well we're just not going to sell these cars anymore it's like that's it's too too drastic and i don't think that's going to work there's going to have to be some middle ground Uh i think um you know and i think that you know it's like i'll stand on my apple box you know you're going to have to talk to your governor and vote for the right yeah (laughs) all that so yeah and dan (laughs)
0: Yeah. depends how much of a tinfoil hat you want to put yeah. on. I'm serious. I, yeah. I could go down this road, this this deep rabbit hole. I have a lot of thoughts and opinions on this, and they're not all formulated yet. I want to put that out there very clearly yeah. because yeah. as I get information, I, people do that too often where they say, this is the way it is. And I'm like, no, this is what I know so far. And so my, my opinion is changing and moldable often because I look at the industry in different ways the more I learn about it. A couple things. They want to outlaw... Um, ice ice engines, internal combustion engines by 2035. And I think they will probably do it. And they'll do it not in the way we want. They'll make it too prohibitively expensive to own a fuel car from that point going forward. You may not be able to buy one new. And not only that, it'll be too prohibitively expensive to own one. We worry about the industry. We worry about the grid. We worry about doing that. That gives a lot of control. It's one of those, it drives us more into the, you will own nothing and be happy about it, which I do not like. Um, There's also the point of you have, the automotive industry has not invested billions. They've invested over a trillion dollars into this. If you don't think it's coming, they're not gonna take that kind of a loss. The business, the business perspective of this is just not there. They're gonna get better, they're gonna get lighter, uh, as with all battery technologies, think of your cell phone and think of s- start small and go big. Same thing with tools, the way they're doing new, new battery cells. You're going to see mm. it in these small items that need it first. So high torque applications, think your new impact d- that's coming out with these new power stack cells or flex Are you tools. telling
1: me Milwaukee's going to make cars? Because I'm in.
0: I know, right? I'm team Milwaukee. Oh. Oh, <laughs> think about no, how That I, would be no, amazing. I, right? Yeah. It, right? <laughs> think about how small and th- thin your cell phone's getting. So that gives me hope. The downside. Um, one, this stuff is really dirty to create and I don't like that. I think we are looking more at this from a finance investment point of view than we're actually looking at it from a transportation point of view because the shareholders make the, make the moves, not the company anymore. And you've got to please your shareholders. And if you get all this money and we're trying to shift that money from where we get oil, um, let's talk about that, um, which is Largely not in the US, then you're going to start moving it into places where it's even cheaper than oil, which is getting it out of really dirty mines and moving it into battery technology. There's got to be better ways to do that. Um, I don't like that none of this is exposed. Like the more you dig into this, the more controversial it gets. And you can't really trust your sources anymore on who is telling you what. It makes it really hard. And so, yes, I'm in Nick, like, yeah, I want stuff that's better for the environment. None of us, even us, serious gearheads who love like me loving my corvette z06 if you can give me the same driving experience out of a battery car i'm all about it but if you're telling me a false narrative if it's you know dramatically better for the environment and it's cheaper to produce over time then i'm not all about it i want the truth behind to come out nobody out here who's a car person is saying it fuels better do you remember
1: i mean and this was this is old school this is going to date me back back in the 90s when the Prius came out and they were like the Prius is going to be great and, and it saves the environment and then somebody did the math that you have to fly around the world like four times to make a Prius or something like that and everybody went well wait a minute here like here's yeah. a, you know it's exposing that stuff I think the this industry is going to have to change but I think what needs to happen is a lot of conversations and, and a lot of truths and and figuring out what's best for us what's best for the environment yeah, I don't want to lose internal combustion engines. I like it. I like, I mean. I like uh-huh. the sound, I like all that. But I know there's a lot of people that don't. I like going putting gas in my car.
0: <laughs> it's an experience. It's
1: fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, yeah. I mean, as they move to hot swap batteries, faster and faster charging, yeah. all that stuff becomes more readily available. Like if I charge at work at my office, it literally, we get discounted charging. It literally would cost me like $4 to charge for a full range on an EV at work. It's insanely cheap here because we have tons of power in the Pacific Northwest, lots of dams, lots of wind. We have excessive power, literally. Um, so for us, it's great, but I don't live in town. I live 45 miles from my office and I don't go to, I don't drive to the office for the record, by the way, I don't drive a Raptor for five days of work to the office. I drive it about maybe one day at work a week, if that, anyway, otherwise I would have a different car. But what I'm saying is, is, um, I work from home. Yeah. So, so do I for <laughs> no, 90% no, yeah, of the time. Kidding.
1: I do, but yeah. yeah,
0: <laughs> Yes. I'm all, I, there's a lot of electric cars I've driven and I love if you had, and we've talked about it like two episodes ago. I said, if you have not been in a Tesla model S plaid oh. and done a launch, oh. you are missing a serious part of life. It's one of the most thrilling things you will ever do. Do it. It's great. That said, I don't, the narrative isn't clear on how this is actually
2: making things better. Um, it's not defined. It's, kind of there, but I don't trust yeah. it. I, I think that's really well said. And look, I don't know enough about this either. That's part of one of my joys of trying to dive into a podcast like exactly. this is I am going to get to communicate and learn as we go. And how, one of the things I don't like though, about what's going on in these discussions that I come across, everything's absolute now. Everything, yes. this is good. This is bad. This is good. Great. And it's like, it's not all of this when it Mm-mm. comes to, to alternative fuels and all this kind of stuff. No, there's not one that's good and one that's bad or you know vice versa we we do have to kind of keep communicating and learning and testing and studying and find the correct, formula of these things to kind of find a, a maybe a middle ground something like that um, but yeah it's not not everything's all good electric you know power you still have to charge your battery where is that power coming from depending on where you live that could be coal so now you're you exactly. know you're pumping more co2 into the air
1: it's the almighty dollar that's going to run no matter what
2: everything yes. like dan says yes.
1: if we have to switch if if they're going to pick everything to electric these car companies are not going to go away they're going to make the they're going to make their dollar and you're right. I mean, you look at the posts around there it's like, you know, there's, here's a,
0: here's a, here's a charging station, but then there's a diesel generator running the charge. Right. So <laughs> right. you're like,
1: wait a minute, this seems, you know. Yeah. yeah, right.
0: That brings that's another one thing I like about exactly what you hit on with the podcasting is that these, these are not, you know, 140 character tweet conversations. They are not TikTok video length conversations. And I don't like it when people try and do that. If you're going to tell me this is good and this is bad in the time it takes to do an Instagram reel or a TikTok video, I'm not going to really trust your source. Because like, there's more to it. Maybe it is overall better, but at this at this point in time, I'm really unsure, and I want to know more, but people who are usually telling me usually have an agenda, like I'm hearing it from a battery manufacturer, I'm hearing it from an internal combustion engine manufacturer. I'm like, well, maybe yes, maybe no. I'm sure there's a better way to do this than internal combustion engines. I'm not arguing that at all, but at the same time, you know...
1: It's, I mean, I I look at it no different than if you're going to go out and buy a car Yeah. go out and do your research. Yeah. Yeah. And if if, if I watch a YouTuber and they say, oh my gosh, that news, this new Corvette is so great. You should go out and buy one. I'm going to find three YouTubers that tell me I shouldn't. That's right. And I think if somebody looks at me and goes, battery technology is so great. You need to, you need to buy this car. I'm going to go out and find people that say, and I'm going to, I'm going to form my own opinion. I think that's where. This is gonna this a little bit of the world we're living in is people are going. I saw it on TV. I I, I trust that person, therefore, and which is fine. Mm-hmm. But you know, just because somebody tells you something doesn't. I mean, a minivan doesn't work for me because it, it doesn't fit my lifestyle. I mean, that doesn't mean it doesn't fit somebody's lifestyle. Yeah. So somebody's going to tell you what fits their lifestyle, which is great. If electricity works, I know a lot of people that run Teslas, and I mean, it's great. They got a
0: charger at the house, a charger at work. They're making the place the world a better place. It's great. Mm-hmm. But I wired my shop. Just specifically to have an extra yeah. uh, 50 amp yeah. output it's, for a charger if I need it. Like yeah. I, I thought ahead because I'm like, there is. I will probably buy one if they make a great one that sells me on the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they need to do that first. We're we're getting there. I,
1: I like the technology. Like I said, companies like Rivian, Tesla. I I you know I love uh, the R1T. And I, R1S. I love those. I think I love yeah. what they're doing with it. They're listening to people. You know, they're they're putting the fun it. But again, I look at it and I go, uh, I mean, let, let's make something bigger. The 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 Jeep 4 xe It's a Wrangler, which I love. Everybody wanted a Wrangler. Do I feel safe taking that off-road? I don't know because I've been in Jeeps and we've come down and and, and gas tanks have been popped and you're blown. That's a battery. And, I mean, you talk about an environmental issue. You (laughs) stab a battery in the middle of nowhere. Getting a car out, what could happen there? I mean, I I don't know if it belongs there. But then again, there's plenty of people that have taken them. They've done a lot of good things with them, and they've taken them off-road.
0: Do do have one more thought on that, though. That said, I think we are in probably one of the most we are in a really cool part of history history if i could that speak um
1: braces um one
0: of the things that where we have like we're at, like one of the pinnacles of automotive performance right now in the internal combustion era like the stuff that is out now is better than i've ever had in my life they drive great if you've driven any of the new uh, porsches i'll live up to the hype i tell everybody that if you if you drive the chance to drive an rs anything they're fantastic um our family sedans now have 300 horsepower and go zero to 60 in five seconds. Go take your, your mom's Camry out for a spin when she releases her new one, and you'll be like, holy crap, this thing actually moves. And it's not just a perception thing. They are actually fast. We are in a golden era of quick cars being the norm. Turbo technology has come a long way. Diesels have over a 1,000 foot-pounds of torque out of the factory with no mods, <laughs> which is really cool. <laughs> so that said, uh, now is a great time to buy a very high-performance Internal combustion engine car because you're kind of at the last end of that and feeling that thrill that you won't have a chance to feel later in the future. So yeah. I am I'm enjoying the ride <laughs> or enjoying. Well, the ride. I mean,
1: look at this, and I've told this story on, on our show many times. My dad uh, in 1985 bought a BMW 535, had 185 horsepower, and was the most powerful four door sedan in the world at the time. And and those I'm mean, giving people know this. Dan and I are 43. We grew up in the 80s and the 90s. We started with cars with 180 horsepower. We have now seen supercars, hypercars. We're now seeing mega cars. I mean, and that's insane to me. And I mean, you know, do I think you need a $5 million Bugatti? No. Would I gladly drive one? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but I mean, that technology is there. And, and I think, I think if they can make a car have a 2000 horsepower, like RIMAC and all that, that technology will trickle down. I mean, you think about when we first got our Apple computers in like the eighties, and we we're like, "Oh, it prints a happy birthday banner," and now, I mean, your phone does ten times that. That technology will come down, and we'll we'll see it. Like I said, Dan was talking about the battery technology, so I think it's neat. It's a neat age to be a part of, and I've gotten I've gotten to see some of the coolest cars in history come out of you know and drive them, yeah, and drive. Yeah. Them. I mean. Dan and I grew up on Knight Rider and the Dukes of Hazzard. You know, I mean, when you didn't know what, you know, what they, that they were running hooch, you just knew they were jumping creeks and having That's fun. Right. The car yeah. talked.
2: That's all you wanted. And I wanted a car that went, woo, woo, woo. Still <laughs> so, you want know, it. Yeah, still I want st- it. Still want it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Let's, let's end on something real quick. What's your, what's the most fun car you've ever driven? <laughs> oh, wow.
1: Um, I mean, one of our best experiences from this, I mean, McLaren gave us cars for a week. <laughs> Yep. gave us five seventies for a week. And uh, we had some friends that worked at <laughs> McLaren Bellevue and they gave us five seventies. He got a convertible. And I looked at the guy and I said, he's a very good friend of ours. And they did it for advertising purposes. And I said, I'm going to put a thousand miles on this this week. And he goes, no, you're not. And I go, yeah, I am. Yeah. Cause I'm going to daily drive this car and I'm going to take it to QFC. And I don't care if I have to go seven times to get this, I'm going to do it. And I, and I, we proved we to myself, he did it. I did it. We put a thousand miles on those cars and we just, it, it wasn't about driving a really expensive McLaren. I love McLarens, but it was the idea that you could take a car that everybody assumed was a weekend driver. And I could, I took it to church. I took it to the store. I, you know, it was amazing. Um, and I, and I, I, in fact, we had several people that we talked so much about it, went out and bought 570s So nice, nice. Or more, yeah. Or yeah. More, yeah. 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 So,
0: Ooh, Dan, yeah, you're up. This is, Big question. This is a really hard question. Yeah.
1: Um, like, if you looked at us and said, I'm going to put you in a, a, a dirt road here, what are you going to drive? I can tell you. If you're going to say, I'm going to put you on a the road between, you know, Death Valley, what are you going to drive? Like, I can yeah. put those cars. But, like, it's a situation thing. Like, you know. Yeah. The.
2: Yeah.
0: Hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> Anything rally prepped? Anything rally prepped. The most fun I've ever had in a car was doing uh, a day at Dirtfish period. Nice. Like the most fun I've ever had. Great instructors, but like yep. if you, it's like everything you've ever wanted to do with a rental car, but thought you might get sued afterwards. <laughs> so you didn't, that's dirt fish. Yep. Um, yeah, except you don't hit anything and you actually learn some, you actually learn a lot. Well,
1: they ask you not to hit
0: things. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So like I would take a rally prepped Subaru, a rally prepped anything, uh, just cause it's so
2: much fun. There's so much fun. My, f- my yeah. favorite car, honestly, that made it easy for me is, uh, not that I was even going to answer this, but just a, a Myers Manx is the most fun I've ever had in a car. Oh hell yeah, so cool! I would absolutely I would rather drive. I would rather drive that. I would rather have that experience than driving anything the rest of my life. I, I had so much fun driving an original Myers Manx that I I would give it all up for that.
1: I I grew up with BMWs. I, I've never driven a BMW iSetta. And I think oh, the yeah. first time I ever saw it was Steve Urkel had one on Family Matters. matters. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, the idea of the steering wheel going away from you. The, yep. I mean, I still want to drive <laughs> one. Um, if anybody knows what, but I, <laughs> me too, it, me too, I would love to. I, I you know, you'll go faster dropping it off a cliff, but I think that that experience. I will say, if you're going to put me on that dirt road to Death Valley, I just want something with air conditioning. I think. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a good I, rally I, car with a a good AC. Point. <laughs> yeah, 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 very <laughs> but, good point. But uh, you know, again, it's 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 situational. I mean, you know, I mean, I you know, you're going to put me on the autobahn. Hmm. I'd like to see myself in a Koenigsegg Jesko or something like that, you know, know, that'd be kind
0: of fun. So a a close second for that same comparison would actually just be my Raptor. Yeah, because there's there's very few cars out there (laughs) that you can consistently jump all day and you can. And it does. And it's fantastic. I (laughs) I'm going to tell this story very quickly. We did a version of the backcountry
1: discovery route and Dan and I was in my Subaru and I was taking my time. And I was got to the point where the dust had settled. And I get on the radio and I go, Dan, where are you? And all I hear him go is sorry, I was in Baja mode. And he was gone. Like, but like he's enjoying the moment. I'm, I'm sitting there with my Subaru. I could go faster, but I don't want to break stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I was situational.
0: See, um, I'm going to say, though, I do have an answer for that. It's Kevin Beach's 675 LT Spider. Oh, okay. That yeah. is still... Yeah, That's <laughs> that car lived up to all the hype. It is none of the bicyclists on the road liked this but yeah no yeah, so. but uh we we did chuck drive yeah uh in bellingham and those in the pacific northwest know what an amazing road that is and driving it in that car that car has it's early mclaren so it had a little bit of turbo lag um the 720s don't they're just haul ass all the time the 675 though you feel the power building you feel it explode with every yeah. shift and you know you're driving something extremely special Um Ferraris are super refined, Porsches are super refined, they're all fast, but this McLaren best chassis I've ever driven in my life, hands down, no question is McLaren. And that car kind of set a new bar for me. And I've driven some hyper cars, but not to the point where I was, here's the keys, go have fun. It was always, I'm too terrified to let this thing open up. This thing I opened up, this thing I got to drive.
1: Am I capable of letting this thing go? Yeah.
0: yeah. And that was mm-hmm. that's by far probably the pinnacle of my automotive driving nirvana. Was nice. That car. nice. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with you. I really enjoyed hearing about things and learning more about the history of your show. Where do you want to tell people to find the Avance podcast? I mean, you can go to
0: Avance.com. And then and, 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 and podcast. We're podcasts. on every platform, though. Um, yeah, Apple you know google anything else spotify you name it we're on every platform so yeah please give us a listen and uh oh you can shoot us a call (laughs) if you want yeah we we actually we have a call
1: in text number if you've got questions or something like that when we we talk about on the show so
2: yeah Yeah. nice nice and i'll provide some links in the show notes uh and again thank you so much nick and and dan for being on and i will talk to you soon thank Thank you you. very much michael we loved it thank you for listening to fuel for the future Follow us on the podcast app of your choice, and we encourage you to leave a review and rate the show. Fuel for the Future is presented by State Farm Insurance and driven by America's Automotive Trust. Learn more at americasautomotivetrust.org.